welcome to Listening to Paint Drive with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike, and thank you so much for joining us on our continued quest to become better, braver, happier painters. And so today, we continue our international art party with a trip to Serbia. But first, we'd like to take a moment to ask our listeners if they could help us spread the word about the podcast. Liking our stuff on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube would be a huge help. Uh, leaving us reviews on all the different podcast platforms, no matter where you get it, would also be a, a big help. So anything y'all could do, we'd greatly appreciate it. Remember, we are 100% free. Everything about our podcast comes out of Dan and Mike's pocket, and we're not asking anybody for money. We just could use some help spreading the word. With that out of the way... We are super excited today to tell you that we have an interview with Craft World Studios. They are a Serbian-based art studio. Uh, Alexandra and Marco uh, are fantastic painters, and it was really a lot of fun to have a conversation with them, and we appreciate them sharing their journey with us. So without further ado, we present Craft World Studios. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. You know, and uh, it's it, what's one of the things that's been awesome about doing a podcast is that we've been all over the world now, and this is our first time in Serbia, so it's kind of awesome uh, to get get to talk to uh, y'all. How is the weather in Serbia right now? Well, right now, it's great. It's, it's perfect. Great. It's sunny, warm, and probably we will go to oh. a walk after yeah. the podcast awesome. today. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So, um, Craft World Studios. You've been together for a while now. Can you give us a little bit of your origin story uh, in the hobby and kind of how you started the studio? So should we go like in in, in order? You in can order start first. Or... <laughs> However you want. It's we are free reign here and do not. There's no rules, you know. <laughs> okay, so let, let me also introduce myself. I'm Marko Miladinović. So Marko Miladinović, if in in Serbian accent, completely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my first like contact with with hobby was actually through uh, video games. So it was like Warhammer, Dawn of War, and then I found Warhammer Fantasy that I fell even more in love with. I mean, I love both settings, but that's like the video games were like the first thing that uh, kind of introduced me to the hobby in a way, uh, because at the place where I lived, there was no actually people who were like playing, or there was no miniature to buy so it was quite hard to get into it so I was trying to order but maybe because of, of that time maybe it was more more expensive for me so I kind of paused and then later on the college I found a, a friend who is also interested in that and he already has some miniature so it was great for me like for someone to like introduce me to it so that's how it started and and uh, I didn't went all in so basically i painted a couple of models then i make like a a pause of i don't know a year or two and then come back and so until i think 2013 um, 14 yeah when i start more actively painting you uh, you just started painting and i met you and the friend that marco mentioned and they were talking about the emperor and about Warhammer, and I knew it for the Warhammer from the video games, but I didn't play at that time, so I was thinking, what is this? And then I uh, met Marco, uh, I uh, 
started seeing more on the miniatures. Uh, I liked the painting miniatures and how it all looks. So I started following that. And uh, soon after we started both started yeah. painting together yeah. for the games that we usually don't play much, but we paint much. <laughs> yeah, so so like I always wanted to like create an army, but uh, it was impossible because every time when I like paint a couple of models, I want to upgrade yeah. on something. So they won't be like in cohesion. So I always start a new army, a new war band and stuff like that. And, and that's not enough, Marco. Then you convert everything yeah, and, and build new worlds. And in a way that actually helped me progress, like because I was never satisfied with a with a level I achieved. So every time I will start a new, and then I will go from there, and then again start a new, and so on. But here I am. I'm I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> Well, that's the key, right? Uh, being happy in the hobby, for sure. Yeah. You know, now, Alexandra, what made you decide that you wanted to kind of up your painting levels? Well, uh, actually, that's a good question because when I started painting miniatures with Marco, we uh, because we met in art school, so we both both went to art schools and we used to draw and paint on paper on canvas. And uh, in this time when Marco started painting miniatures, he also started painting more and more on canvases. And uh, then we started like painting miniatures together and Marco showed me the steps that I should do when painting miniatures. And then I looked through it all and asked, but why, why do we not paint like we paint on the canvas? We can do that on the miniature as well. And Marco said, yeah, that's right. And then we started painting uh, and that's the moment when we started painting a yeah. lot that we really like the miniatures a lot because we found a new way to make our interpretation visible to really build the worlds that we like mm -hmm. through colors because i think both of us yeah. we really love colors we really love painting mm -hmm. i love drawing as well but the painting is something that helps you express and uh, in this way when we realized okay miniatures are actually art we will start painting as we would do on the canvas that made us progress more and really bring new mm. interesting ways to paint and to approach to the project yes the, the way that we kind of find more pleasurable way of painting miniatures really help us progress so i, I think that's also a, a good kind of tip if you want to get better at something try to make it more like pleasurable for yourself because you're spending a lot of hours on painting so it's best to make those hours fun and interesting for you. And then you will level up if you're doing something that you enjoy. Yeah, yeah that, that's a fantastic point. I also think it's interesting that um, you kind of had the re realization that uh, miniature painting is art. You know, it's kind of um, back in the day when I started uh, 30 years ago um, yeah. <laughs> and then took a 25 year break. Um, coming back into the world where seeing people doing a miniature with a two-dimensional 2D background and just kind of all the techniques, it was kind of a, a shock to the system. Um, is there something from the art world uh, that you've seen translate into miniatures that you've really enjoyed um, in particular? Well, nowadays. Now, <laughs> now, yeah, nowadays there, there is uh, like a, a lot of uh influence from like 2d to 3d like from illustration the point of views and understandings of how color how the lighting how the shadow work so it all goes together and 
uh, I like to believe that we are also like our effort managed to like give some influence to the scene. So I think the the, the as as you mentioned, like when we started, when we also went to even on our first competitions. Some people were not really sure if this is art. So some will even argue that this is not art. This is like miniature painting and that should be like only just as a hobby or like a craft. So I like to believe that we manage like to bring closer this hobby to the art. So it's, uh, I remember like the first questions that we got when we started meeting the community. It was, uh, how long did it take you to learn how to blend? Or uh, will you smooth this part a bit more? And uh, that were the questions that were uh, many people were st struggling with to mm. say, because uh, you start doing the hobby and you know you will paint some tiny, tiny figures. And first thing you think, oh, I need to master this by managing to blend on the figure. But that's not the biggest achievement that mm. you will get because it is just a technique that will help you get somewhere. Yeah. So for us, it was a challenge bringing this. We had to be uh, strong characters and yeah. uh, to really push our idea up, uh, which we are glad yeah. we did. And, it, it, uh, sorry for interrupting. Yeah. And it was not easy. Like I remember even some of our friends who painted miniatures, they said like, oh, you are not, I don't know, over going too expressionistic that's not the way that miniature should be painted or and stuff like that and we endure like we said okay but we like it i don't know I, i'm, I'm not, I like if i'm happy that's that's good enough for me and now that we are seeing that the community is accepting this way of painting it brings really a lot of of like happiness in our hearts because now we know that it was right way to do like it was right that we were bold enough to continue on this on this journey. Yeah, and one more thing to add regarding all of this. So a uh, miniature scene was always actually influenced with art because many concepts were created already by very famous artists and illustrators mm. and concept artists. And uh, when people started visualize it more in this way and started painting it more expressively and following the the way of art. Uh, also, the miniature company started bringing more of the art pieces. And now the display pieces that you can see on the scene are like a true art. The sculpts that are ma mm. made now are very beautiful. And yeah. of course, the technology went further also. So right. yeah. <laughs> and when you when I when people started out in miniature painting, there were either war game miniatures or historical miniatures. That was kind of the only choices. And now we see all these companies that are doing these crazy pieces. And, you know, it's kind of, uh, my co-host thinks we're kind of going through a renaissance of miniature painting right now, which is kind of cool to, to, to think about. Now, yeah. um, so let, let me ask this kind of question, because I know this is something that's always in uh, our listeners' back, uh, back of their minds is, um, how important or how much does color theory play in kind of your day-to-day -day miniature painting? Well, theory is like, we always say like theory is very important, like it's good to understand. But like the best way to learn theory is to try and practice it. Like to experience. So like a uh, big deal is to trust the process. You know, from our experience, we hold multiple classes on, 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 on various occasions and there is like always someone that like don't, don't really know what he's doing. Like we tell, explain, you do 
these highlights like this, you do the shadows in these colors, and they at the start they are. Can you, you give some theory? Yeah, they're struggling, but the best way to understand is to try, see how the color works, and then you will know from there how to how to go further. Yeah, I think the, the most happy person for, from the class you described is the person who really wanted to theorize everything and was struggling, struggling before he left or she left the theory uh, off and actually do something and was the happiest with the results because it made it, it made you understand mm -hmm. what you're doing because with experience you're gaining actually the understanding of yeah. how the color reacts. So for example, I can tell now, okay, you know, if you use uh, red and you put green, it will desaturate this red, but you, you just know that as a sentence. If you try it, you will see actually what tone you will get. Uh, it will differ at, uh, depending on the tone of green or tone of red and how you mix them and mm -hmm. how much red is in tone, how much green is in tone. So there is uh, a lot of like sub questions to the theory. So best way is practice. And the, the, yeah, there goes also a lot of like, uh, for example, for starters, the best way is to have a lot of references and to like look and, and like absorb everything like in real life on illustrations on other people's work, try to like research that. So for example, like non-metallic metal, when I started doing it, even like on, on canvas, I had to have like a reference of, a, a, I don't know, a shield, a, a plate armor to look and then kind of replicate. But now when I do a miniature, I already know because I set the lighting this way and the ambience that way, I know where the lighting will hit. It becomes natural. So that's also with the color theory. So the more you practice it, you will get better grasp of it and then you will have it in your finger. You know, it, it takes some steps because like everything, you cannot, uh, your body, your mind cannot accept it immediately, but believe us, it will happen because uh, the more you work, the more natural it will become. Yeah, what we teach our students is to explore the colors and explore the paints that they're using. And when they do something to explore the colors that the tones of the colors they got through mm -hmm. the piece because that is very important realizing how to create some tones and how you can express it much more better because that will bring you to uh, expressing ambience and emotions and other things that you will tell through your painting. Yeah. The one thing that I would like to add on, on our Patreon we have like uh, multiple tutorials to gain uh, like the result, same results with different techniques. So for example mixing different colors to get uh, same results, but different techniques, because not everyone is accepting the same technique. Someone will find different techniques more more to their liking. Yeah, so, so it's all a theory that is good to be placed in practice, yeah. Yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> not to, to theorize it too much. <laughs> no, that's okay. I love hearing, I love hearing everybody talk about the different processes. Now, kind of along that same line, um, you had mentioned you had different kind of tears because people uh, a, a technique may not click with them or something along those lines. Were there any techniques that you found were kind of challenging as you were improving your painting? They want me to start. So uh, I would say uh, technique. Uh, every technique is equally important mastering when you want to paint something because uh, usually you will, uh, again, experience these techniques and find something that suits you best. 
For example, in painting process, uh, you will use mostly all techniques uh, out there, uh, starting from, let's say, wet blending or just basing or layering. Uh, in our case, mm -hmm. having these layers over lip that we try to explain a lot through different processes. Uh, underpainting technique yeah. that we teach on our uh, Patreon, I will say something about that also. And when you master all of it, and by master, I say use it and experience it and actually gain some results from that, you will get the technique that suits you the most as a painter and that you will use the most, uh, maybe even unconsciously at the start, but actually realize you're using this technique a lot. And uh, by saying that, uh, when we started teaching our classes abroad and now online, uh, we realized, okay, we will structure our process of painting because usually you don't think too much mm. you actually maybe you think for yourself but you don't really speak about it and then you bring everything on your piece and when you want to learn uh, and teach. want to teach uh, you need to structureize that to be able to actually explain what you're doing mm. so we started uh, teaching underpainting technique that in art is kind of a normal yeah. thing that you would do when you start some process of painting, you would underpainting to get the volumes or to get the ambience or for yeah, any other reason. There the is, shapes. Yeah, and uh, in our case, we started using it and explaining it on the miniatures to gain volumes and create them and to create the ambience and set the ambience for your piece. That can change in the process, but uh, at the start to gain the idea. And uh, when we started teaching that, we realized that many people didn't really thought about this because they are not coming in this hobby from art background. Mm. So it was very uh, insightful for them to learn this. And uh, it is very interesting technique that now everybody that uh, is learning from us are using because it is something that helps you bring your project to, let's say, like 60, 70, 80 percent mm. of the finished prod prod product, yeah, <laughs> finished yes. product, because it really gives you all that you need to continue further to bring oh. your idea up. So I would just put this technique as something that is, should be maybe spread more in this miniature hobby and we're trying to do that. But mm -hmm. uh, I would say that all techniques are equally important. Yeah, so like we, we didn't really focus on something that said we are like struggling with that. I. I because when we sit and paint, we don't really think about too much about the stages or techniques. Like if you sometimes most of the stuff is like when you said freehand, but freehand is like everything, you yeah, know, is if you're painting like the armor and like making the shadows and reflection, isn't that similar to the freehand technique? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so it, it's all, it, it all comes to painting. In the end, it's painting yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it that way, but yeah, I, you know, if you go to a, a blank canvas painting a sun or a cloud, that's freehand too. You know, yeah. I never thought about it that way. That's a, that's a useful insight for sure. Um, so now that you've been teaching and working together, um, what, how has uh, teaching kind of, I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but how has teaching impacted your painting in the studio? Well, that, that's, a, that's a really good question. And I think teaching really also helped us yeah. like a lot because when you uh, like, for example, do the, also the feedbacks and, and like teach someone, uh, you're also teaching yourself. 
for example, it might happen when you sit and paint, and maybe you're not thinking about the lightning, the 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 shadows, the volumes, and sometimes you got lost into like details, but then you lose the overall look. And then you remember that you are telling your students to, you know, to focus on, focus on these things. And then, you know, you also teach yourself that you should focus on those things as well. So it's, you know, it's it's very good thing that like so, for us, the when especially like in person, it's very fulfilling to teach like someone. And but also it's it's great like to get this energy from 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 it and also to learn yourself and and get better at it get better at teaching and get get, get better at, at painting as well so it's like when you start analyzing something you start analyzing everything yeah. <laughs> even yourself and uh by teaching as i said we need to structureize things uh as much as we explaining we realized maybe if we miss something mm. or we want to add something more to the pieces and usually what i find as a luck for us to both doing the the same profession mm. and both artists we can talk about our works and the topics we want to bring and uh, usually that's good having one more pair of eyes or one more opinion to to really help you bring your piece further and we not, now are doing that with students and then also on our yeah. works yeah the things that we found like uh, difficult sometimes is that we you we have to think about that uh, not everyone will know when we say something that will click to everyone. So you have to have this uh, idea that you need to explain everything. You know, sometimes <laughs> I, I remember when I when I was telling something, I already think that like the student have this background knowledge. So it's very important that you don't think about that, but try to explain everything like it's a fresh new beginner. So that's a I think good approach, like yeah. to to really clear up every every stage if possible. No, that, that's awesome. I, I love hearing about how the uh, teaching, my wife's a high school teacher. And so I constantly hear from her how she learns from her students and things along those lines. So it's kind of, it's cool to hear how that translates across everywhere, um, for sure. So one of the things that uh, I absolutely positively wanted to touch on with y'all because of one of the things that attracted me to your work is uh, your color choices and color palettes are always they I hate this word to use this word pop, but they uh, kind of a lot of times when you paint when I see your work, it jumps off the screen at me because of the color choices. Um, I'm curious as how do you how y'all approach colors? Uh, it's kind of a vague question, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the hardest no. question is the most frequent. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a lot of people connect us with kind of the color choices and the expression that we want to achieve. But uh, like the, the original thing is that we don't really have fixed idea of how this piece will look or like what color choices we will have. Like sometimes it happens that you start with some some uh, other paints that are not really the like maybe they are core into the underpainting, but later on in next stage they will disappear because you will paint over them, so they will kind of blend in. So I think it's it's very much uh, the the affection of current mood and the inspiration. So for example, if I don't know play some video games, read a book, and then got hyped about this ambience this 
and and even it, yeah and even sometimes that maybe the model is not fitting for this mode i will create that mode <laughs> to fit this model and those, the, those are very interesting challenges as well you know you, in, in if, if you take some like cases you see a lot i don't know let's say space marine and like in lo a lot of cases you see space marine armor that are always like the same color so for example if the space marine is is in green armor so this green is completely the same on all, like even the legs and the chest piece and the shoulders. So maybe if he's standing in some ambience where there is like a, a coming of the sunlight or there is like the, I don't know, uh, 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 some weapon pointed at him. So there will be something to explain different ambiences. So maybe that green when there is a blue light will look more cold. And then maybe on the lower part because of the maybe warmer ambience, there will be more like green with like warm and red shades in it. So there is like a lot of those things that we kind of think about actively and also passively. So yeah. like it's it's not really like we we let the 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 colors lead us into into like bringing the story and the ambience to life. I think that's our always main focus. Well, yeah, uh, I would agree with that. Uh, so the main main focus is the the story that we want to bring with this piece. Usually it will happen as uh, so uh, opposite to what you said is when the figure inspire you to choose some colors because this figure speaks to you uh, as some character that you maybe gain from the experience of the books you were reading or the games or just the, the ambience around you, maybe the nature, mm. anything that inspired you in this moment or this time, as you said. Yeah. And uh, then you want to present this character in that way. Maybe you just was inspired by some ambience from the game and you want to make this character fit this ambience because you really want to paint it. So that's the other thing. Uh, maybe it's emotion. Maybe yeah. it's how you feel at, at that point because it just happens and it's, um, it's something that you cannot control. We can control it now when we structureize and when we mm -hmm. want to explain. But sometimes why I like sometimes to just work on something and not explain it is because it really helps me bring something from uh, yeah, like within. A, in, within because I don't want to like speak about it. I want this piece to tell a story when I finish with it yeah. and it will just tell everything that I had on my soul uh, because uh, after finishing this piece, I will be able to actually tell the story that maybe was hard for me or maybe it's mm. happy, but I just couldn't find yeah. the words. Uh, I will have one piece uh, soon that I will describe because it was started. I started this in the period that was a bit harder for me, uh, but the piece is a bit magical. So it's kind of my escape and uh, a nice way to find uh, like an emotion that will help me pass this period yeah, it's, that was hard like, for me. Like kind of also like a vent as well. Yeah, like so, so the colors yeah. are very soft and pastel and yeah. like magical, but it is something that uh, it's kind of um, not epiphany. It's more like uh, that when you are settling with something, yeah. you you are accepting it and uh, you feel better Moving about on. it. Yeah. So also yeah, but sometimes it's it uh, when when it comes to the color palette and like the mood, sometimes you will feel to do like the opposite. I know that like majority will think that for example, if I'm in a stage maybe of of depression i will like use very like dark and green colors but that's not really the case 
not always like it can be but sometimes you want to do the opposite sometimes you want to push the maybe the the, the fun and interesting colors just because you want to want your mood to change so it, it, it really goes up and down it's like it, a, boosting your mood or like power infused yeah. your mood like yeah. listening to power metal also yeah, as well, when you're yeah. feeling sad and then yeah. you listen to you power know, metal you know sometimes <laughs> when you're sad for example you like to listen to the the, the, the sad music and that really, you know, kind of helps you go through. But sometimes you want to listen to something happy to, you know, change from that mood. So yeah. that's that's also similar with painting. So sometimes you want to throw some colors just for you to like, you know, now now that Cheer I speak, <laughs> now that I speak about myself, I'm questioning, am I always depressed because <laughs> I use these colors? <laughs> so the colors are happy, we're always depressed. <laughs> no, it's it's like it it's sometimes one sometimes the other there is no rules emotions no. are complex yeah, also yeah. so yeah <laughs> very cheesy. wow I, I, thank you um so part of um what you were talking about was that there is a narrative and a story a lot of times that you want to express on the miniature um can you delve a little bit more into that because when um i know for me if i pick up a piece and i have the story of the the figure in my head before I paint, I usually can finish that project really fast because I see the story and everything along those lines. Um, like, how detailed do you get to the story? And like, because uh, I kind of, I'm ridiculous. I'll even sometimes write a few paragraphs down so I don't forget the story, you know? <laughs> I don't know uh, what, what kind of process y'all go through or um Etc. Yeah. Sorry. Again, uh, another long question. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's also it's a great question. And like the story is a, is a great thing to drive you to like to make your finish, like to make your project finished. You know, if you're getting to that story, it will boost your inspiration. It will boost your creativity. So we, we always like to see that. And we also like to, to approach this way, like to create all this narrative and then try to like tell it with colors and lightning and, and everything. So, so sometimes stories like abstract a bit. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like a definitive, uh, like you see the, the character, uh, for example, the Hobbit walking. Yeah. And you can say maybe he's walking back to Hobbiton, maybe. Yeah. But there is something that gives you more, uh, like some details that you will put on the miniature that will give you some insight on the story. But as artists, you want to keep this uh, like a literal story for yourself and have the viewers see their stories. Mm -hmm. And my belief about all of this is that you are telling the story from your own perspective. So, for example, if I choose some color that I will add on my piece and this color will, uh, to me, will mean something based on my experience uh, from life. And let's say I choose uh, like a very dark blue and this dark blue means something uh, nice to me for mm -hmm. example but the other viewers who see yeah, this they, color they might connect with the different they might connect it to the sea to the depth yeah. of the ocean or something that maybe their experience maybe they went snorkeling and they see some color <laughs> they will remember their vacation but it's like uh, they will probably get this nice emotion also based on their experience maybe someone will not mm. but then uh, the other details around the piece will help them perceive it in this way that is intended but through different experiences and stories actually at the end bringing the the main story mm. uh in the lines 
but in the, between the lines there is a lot of things happening yeah, yeah. The, the, there is like a lot of the the big effect from like the when someone is observing the piece uh, his understanding also depends on on his life as well so maybe not everyone will connect same things uh, like like for example the artist did yeah and uh, one more thing i just remembered to say for example um when we talk about this narrative sometimes it can be very intentional but again uh, gaining one topic and this topic can be uh, spoken through different stories so recently we started a challenge on our patreon for the students and there will be many cool works uh, i suggest everybody who wants to see we will share that uh, on our pages when it is done somewhere in july uh, but uh, we started Moonlight Challenge mm. and Moonlight Challenge means that you need to create uh, uh, ambience that is lit by the moon, moonlight, but uh, it also can have any other object, source mm. light, uh, you can have any other detail in order to explain the character, because what is important in, in this challenge is to have your piece in some darker ambience where you have the lit of the moonlight, uh, light of the moonlight, but also you need to describe uh, the color of the um, clothes, the color of mm. the skin, the color of the hair through this ambience. So you really need to boost uh, up your uh, expression and creativity to bring these colors visible in kind of a blue filter. Mm. Uh, I also made a tutorial to make this easier <laughs> to approach but also there will be a lot of pieces and uh, recently we spoke with one student and he asked us like this is my start of the project and what do you think what is the story so we spoke a bit different story than him but the main goal yeah. of the piece was there we noticed that something is trapped or yeah. something is uh yeah so the, yeah, the, we, like our the main uh, lines were there yeah so like he his his work was uh there is like this uh i i don't want to spoil it but there's like a, a a red strong red light from one side and immediately you connect red with maybe a threat something alarm. maybe ba bad or alarm and we we connected everyone who saw it had the same feeling the story was a bit different with like for me and for her and for him but in in the end like the first First, impression, thing, first impression was there. But so, maybe you 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 can saw it as like a Saruman or yeah. maybe also saw it as some character that he connects to more yeah. when seeing this piece. But it's um, just same topic, uh, same idea of the story, but different storytelling. Mm. Yeah. While you're on on this journey and like uh, kind of helping with the art side of miniature painting. Have there been um, miniature artists out there that have inspired y'all or that um, you kind of look to for inspiration? Do you want to start? Or... <laughs> you can start. So the, the, as, as I mentioned before, like the, the, the our drive was mostly by the painters who like did the traditional art also from like our art schools, but also later from like the entertainment industry, the game industry had a big impact. So for example, the, the person who maybe did also the cover art for the books had right. really, you know, strong influence to us. And if we're going through names, I can mention couple. I, uh, I remember like the, the, the uh, Paul Bonner, the Adrian Smith, uh, um 
then Kalkubinsky. also the yeah. icing and then uh, the Justin Gerard. Yeah, uh, Petr Meselgia. Petr Meselgia, yes. So, uh, Brom. Brom. So th there is a lot of like from the video games that they did. Like we uh, we like to connect, uh, collect art books and. Mm. Uh, it's interesting yeah. also to see that, for example, like most of the names that we just said, we also had a pleasure to meet those people. And it's interesting to see how the wow. community, even though it's large, you know, there's like places and it was uh, like the Luca Comics convention in Conven Italy. And there was like all of these painters all together and we uh, were so from... What is the main like uh, charm here is that these artists that we followed before we knew about the miniatures were actually connected with the miniatures even if they don't paint them. Maybe mm -hmm. some of them even paint some, yeah. uh, not uh, as a hobby, as a hobby only, but uh, in their profession they are still connected to the miniatures and that is what pulled us in. Mm -hmm. It brought us here and um, at this time when we started, this was not really considered art. Maybe it was, but not publicly. So yeah. it was really needed more convincing. So nowadays there is a lot of uh, miniature artists that actually yeah. uh, in, I embrace. Yeah, the that idea. they embrace the idea. They they are actually doing art, mm. uh, which is really cool. So there will be again a lot of names of our mm. colleagues that we can mention, but it's uh, just. We we like everything that is happening nowadays on the scene because for us it means a lot that this is growing. Yeah. So let's keep it for now like yeah, this. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, it's, let's it's, see where it's, it will it's, go. it's getting in, in great direction for sure. Yeah. Are there any classic painters that inspire you or that are your favorite classic painters? Well, well, when it's from, from traditional. Right, right, from traditional 2D art, like uh, canvas painters from old. <laughs> so for, for me, uh, I will again mention Petar Meselgia because uh, he, uh, he, what he is doing, and I suggest everybody to go and look, what he is doing with colors and the brush strokes mm. uh, is uh, just amazing. You can get lost in mm. these pieces and just um, with every brush stroke you will catch the emotion. Uh, it's really something like a wide topic to gain from one picture that have the meaning again have the storytelling there are some details that you can notice on the picture on on the yeah. painting but uh but the, like there the, is a lot of more yeah, things yeah also i think that this this is also very uh but, interesting direction for the miniature painting is like the brush strokes and how you can make the the movement and like what i personally like to achieve is to make when I paint something, I want to like the brush strokes, even to the paint to look almost wet, you know, so mm -hmm. because that really gives life, you know, you don't want to paint a miniature that's like maybe a plastic miniature to look like painted plastic, you know, right. so, so, so you're kind of using the brush strokes to explain the shapes, but also like to give the, the, the life in it. You know, you want you want to also see the, the the person that painted it. Like from those brushstrokes, you can see the character as well. Yeah, so, so that's why I so, mentioned Petter because that is something that you mm. can really see there. Uh, and uh, that are the works that usually we get um, for the works, miniature works that have very strongly visible brushstrokes. We usually get most questions about that, mm. and that is something that you can't really explain we are giving the ideas and approach how to do it and why to actually do this but to get the end result you need to 
try it out and to build your focus and interest toward it to gain uh, experience and then to go through the, uh, this. Mm. And one more thing to mention, so uh, the painters we mentioned, they're also traditional artists. Yeah. And uh, even from the classical, like uh, from the um, centuries before, uh, so we both followed and uh, had to learn <laughs> had yeah. and loved to learn uh, mm. history of art. Uh, all the styles, all the movements, all the artists that were out there, are equally important. Again, I will say that, but really it is the true because without that, we wouldn't have the values we have today. Mm. It is something that really needs to be embraced and appreciated. Mm. So maybe not every style is what you will like personally, yeah. but then you need to, to try to appreciate it and to see why this style is important because it usually brings something that will help you when you understand it will help you grow more mm. in your personal style and uh, things that you like the most. Yeah, I agree. Awesome, thank you. Um, so uh, a little bit back to kind of paints again, um, and I'm curious, uh, uh, kind of a big trend right now in uh, miniature painting is you have more and more artists that are using are not using pre-bottled colors and are mixing paints uh, to get flesh tones, et cetera, things along those lines. Uh, do you find yourselves using more of the pre-bottled stuff or, or are you mixing more and more paints together? Um, how, how are you? Do you approach your projects? Always mixing. <laughs> so, Always. so yeah, while well, the mixing is is like the, the very important also for like for your understanding and learning. Yeah. And mixing just mixing the colors and palette will help you understand how they work or how they don't work. So you know it's a big thing also to know what to avoid, not just what to get, but also what to avoid. And that's by you know mixing different colors and trying to see what will happen if you add a bit of green or a bit of red or or so on. Uh, but when it comes to like directly painting from the bottles, there is also advantage to that. For example. Uh, you cannot mix sometimes some tones. So if if you take emerald green, emerald blue or green, depending on on the tone. Green, yeah. Uh, when it's come from directly from the bottle, sometimes and in most cases, it's much, the saturation is much stronger than if you, for example, mix blue and yellow and try to make this emerald. It won't work. The same. Well, yeah, depending on the pigments. Uh, depending on the pigment, depending on the, the on, pigment. on the on the on the um, also on the product. For example, some some paints like are not that strong in maybe in pigments or have like a lot of white pigment that will create uh, like the tone more pastel. So sometimes it is important to have the 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 mod also the paint from directly from the bottle to use for some effects. Not always, but it's handy. You know, right. <laughs> so so every everything have like same goes with brushes, palettes. That's all the tools that you can One can or and should use in a way you like. One more thing to add. So mixing the paints, uh, okay, mixing the paints on the palette to use the tone that you get on the model is cool. But try mixing the paints on more occasions. So mixing the paints on your palette, mixing the paints on your model, having layers overleap. It's one also mm. of the methods we teach is how to actually get more and more tonal values to mm. really create tones that maybe you didn't even imagine because they will happen when your layers overleap, layers no. of paint that you, of course, control and bring that. But uh, the things that happens is what 
give and lead mm. your process further because you're getting some more things that you consider and that is why when we say uh, at the half of the process we let the figure and the pins speak to us mm. and by speaking to us it means that it gets to some uh, level some uh, level of process then that you gain new ideas from it because there are some new tones appearing uh, some new ideas visible and you go from that. Maybe you had one idea at the start, but then you change it because the tones really made you see something even better. Mm. Yeah, I find purple is a hard color to mix a true like purple to match like a color wheel, uh, just like you were mentioning uh, emerald. Uh, yeah. It's kind of that that type of color I know, but uh, so yeah, that's a good point. So kind of a mix of mixing and some pre-bottled stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, everything had its uses, like, and it's up to us to see how we we like like to use yeah. them. And again, depending on the paints you will use, uh, how much of the true clear pigments are mm. in there, so the mixing is a bit harder. And for me uh, personally, I like I use pre-made tones that are already mixed, so many uh, tones of the paints that uh, the companies produce. And then I still mix all of these mixed mm. paints. So creating even more tones because I'm never satisfied with what I'm given because I want to create something new with it. Yeah. The the, the good, like, uh, the way is to also have, like, the, the brighter variation just for maybe using that for highlighting instead of clear white because white can really pastelize. pastelize and make the the paint more like dull look so mm -hmm. it's it's important Washed like out, yeah. maybe if you are highlighting for example red to add some magenta into the highlighting mix so you will keep the saturation still strong you know you don't want to go to the pastel pink you want to keep still the richness of the red color and this is the best like achievable when you try and see how how you like it and what results we have so it's not about the colors but it's more about the tones yeah like not so maybe this red will not work like for example there's like a crimson red and there's like primary red which is more like warm and combination like if you place this with different paint for example different green you can achieve different results for for example if the ring is more blue then you will get like uh, some more colder green, colder green. not to confuse anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or so, more warmer green that goes more so to yellow. It, it will bring different mood. For example, if it's like uh, a dark, warm green, maybe it will uh, look. And the red is more like crimson. Maybe that will give you like maybe a Christmas like uh, feeling to it. But maybe if if the red is more to like orange then you will get different. I don't know what yeah, to... Yeah, more ninja turtles. <laughs> yeah, so, so there, there, is, there is like a, a lot of play with tones and, and it will achieve different effects. Yeah. So the, the tones will give you first uh, impression on something that you know from experience, mm. like I said a minute ago. <laughs> and mm. uh, so what, one more thing is, um, so when Marco said now cold or more blue-green or more, so you need to watch these paints not only as a paint and not only as a color, but as Marco mentioned, the tone of the color. So when he said 
uh, more colder green that is more blue, you know that you can get the green from yellow and blue. And then if you have more yellow in the mix, that green will be more like a spring green, more mm. uh, warmer, reminding yeah. you on something more, going to more warmer yeah, place that, in the wheel. Real, yeah. And then if you have more blue in the mix, it will go more colder and more like a Christmas tree that I mentioned, <laughs> or good for some colder shadows in the forest. And uh, all of that have a big role in painting expression and storytelling, actually. Um, I also spoke about these colors and on the YouTube video talking about the contrast, because, because when mentioning contrast, I tried to speak how not only dark and light is important, but the colors, the yeah. complementary tones, the cold and warm, uh, the, the tones that match or don't match. They, I believe that all paints will match depending on the tone. Yeah. So there is no like not working. It's just try and make it work, mm. make the tones match. Yeah, I think that's one of the neat things that's happening now too in the miniature world is that we're get, we're talking about contrast, not just in light and shadows, but textured versus smooth, large versus small, you know, so we're seeing a lot of different or shiny versus dull, uh, the different explorations uh, of contrast. And I've noticed that in a lot in your work as well, that, uh, you know, you'll have a rough fur next to a smooth piece of leather or a smooth skin texture or something along those lines. So um, very impressive stuff, <laughs> for sure. I, I love seeing the, the direction of it's going. So what I want to do now, um, one of the newest things we've started is called a little bit of a lightning round. It's like four or five questions where I'm just going to ask them and you've got to give me your gut reaction, like first thing that comes out, okay? Uh -huh. More Ninja Turtles, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. So Ninja Turtles will be the answer to everything. That's okay. I'm a huge Ninja Turtle fan, so um, <laughs> it's actually a project I'm working on right now. Uh, Ninja Turtle. Uh, there's an artist in Italy, uh, Claudio Cassini, who did uh, 75 millimeter Leonardo. And that's what I'm working on right now. I'm like, okay, on that. Um, cool. All right. So the lightning round, the first question, the gods of the brushes descend and say, you can paint with only one brush at one size. What brush would it be? Zero. <laughs> Zero like, synthetic or sable? Oh, well, I mostly now use synthetic. I would just say it's important to be zero long bristle. Yeah, but that's for the miniature, just for like... <laughs> just know. for the miniature. <laughs> <laughs> just for the miniature. Okay, so the next lightning question is non-metallic metal versus true metallic metal and why? Can I say this? What is true metallic? <laughs> non-metallic is true metallic. I, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> You can say. Yeah, well, non-metallic non have more like the uh, kind of more, you have more control over it. Non-metallic is a free hand of true metallic. Yeah. Heavy body acrylics or acrylic inks? Heavy body acrylics. Agree. Everybody acrylic. Okay. Yeah. And it, I'm surprised at the diversity of answers that I've gotten from other people. It's about 50 50 whether they want inks or heavy body acrylics. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Last question When was the last time you drank your paint water? Good, good question. We don't drink it because we have different cups, but I don't know if I actually ever drink it. Yeah, me neither, actually. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I, I did it this morning accidentally. <laughs> 
have to be cool like a minute ago, but we never drink it. Maybe yeah. it's because we don't use actually cups. Yeah, we like, use like a... maybe th this will also also be a good tip like from from mistakes that I learned. For example, when I had like a, a tall cup and then when you want to wash the brush, then sometimes water the water can, can be sunk into the wood. And also when you paint, there can be like a blob of water coming from that. So what I do, I use like the the like the not pot but how to call it like the not a bowl bowl that like I don't really fill completely with water just like a... so there is no possibility for me to go very deep into the water yeah and maybe that's why we don't drink it because it it looks so different from the cup yeah right 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 and I, you know I do and I use uh these jars and it's funny because I think. I don't drink my paint water as much, but I often will rinse my brush and my drink oh, and not think know. about it. Like I'll that's... be painting and really intense and I'm like, wait, my soda is now blue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we had that. We had that, that as well. Yeah. It just adds flavor, right? You know, <laughs> character, <laughs> character to it. So the motto of our podcast is better, braver, and happier. Um, do you have any advice for our listeners as they continue their journey to become better, braver, happier painters? We will repeat what we said at the beginning is to find the techniques and the approach that you enjoy the most because you spend a lot of time on it. So you want to make it count and you want to make it happy. You want to make yourself happy by doing it and then try to perceive and get better at it. Uh, I would add, so uh, usually in this miniature painting scene, uh, what you would encounter is maybe you're painting miniatures for wargaming, maybe you will paint miniatures mm. for a competition. And you can, of course, set a goal for yourself, set some kind of achievement. And if this achievement is to go on competition, for example, and to win some award, that's okay. But don't be dis discouraged by this because... Mm. Uh, there is a lot of factors and influence. Uh, what you should pursue as your goal, even if you're competing, is that you're competing against yourself. So if you come one year with some piece that you're proud of, and maybe you came to, to competition to win something, uh, don't be discouraged by not winning, but be better next year. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, everything you do, you need to do it for your own pleasure, not to uh, satisfy oh. the others, yeah, not so. to satisfy the judges, not to satisfy the other painters, not even the painters that you like and the mm. work you follow. Uh, if you, uh, for example, if you're on on our classes, you don't need to satisfy us. You need to satisfy yourself. We will help you go further. We will always have mm. something to add or say or to bring you further with the ideas yeah. and uh, to uh, tips. But what yeah. is the most important, even for us, is when somebody is happy, when yeah. uh, the message is there, it's accepted, it's achieved, and uh, it helps you actually grow as a painter because you like to do it. Yeah. Even if it's your hobby, if it becomes profession, it's what you love to do and it is what makes you happy. Yeah, and uh, even when bringing the emotions, uh, <laughs> it makes you happy. Since, since everyone is different character and different persona, it is important to also take that in account. So, not not everything is for everyone, and that is okay. So, yeah. So, as you said, also for the critics on social media, when you post your works, you will get different kind of uh, comments. You will have different kind of opinions because we are all different. We see things different. 
realize that you have to actually read uh, between the lines and see what you can gain mm. from every comment that you get. Because when you put something out there, you need to appreciate everything that uh, yeah. brings and push you forward. See everything as an opportunity to improve. Um, so what what's next for Craft World Studio? Is there something that y'all uh, want to uh, focus on or something like, is there maybe, uh, I, I've asked other artists to critique their work or ask them which, how, where they want to go with their work. So what's next for Craft, Craft World Studio? Uh, I want to say something that I just remember because I was thinking about this. I was thinking about Crawford Studio as a Crawford Studio, and uh, the uh, the reason how we uh, the reason we started this studio and how it actually started, and uh, what why we are named Crawford Studio is because we never planned to stick only with miniatures. We mm. thought, okay, we will paint miniatures because at the start of painting we. Uh, started also working on that, uh, mm. got our first commissions and so on, and we endured that, pushed forward, accepted the the works, mm. and uh, just went from there. But the craft world was intended to be, uh, as it said, craft world, world of crafts, yeah, so... something that we actually do creative and uh, applied art stuff, mm. and uh, we hope to one day bring that back yeah. yeah so so the the uh, i'm the, working more on illustrations i hope yeah, to the, bring that yeah so that that's one goal that we want to to bring back also traditional painting yeah, uh, to our life doing that because uh, right now since like years ago when when we started very painting a lot miniatures like the canvas painting is completely on pause in my in my case but now we just because of time but with teaching, mm. so that's that's one of the creative thing that is yeah. that comes to us next to uh, miniature painting. There is video editing because we <laughs> need to create all these lessons. Uh, there is uh, graphic design that that was always there for me because I can do for uh, work for us. Uh, I'm working on some more projects. Uh, hopefully, we'll bring that even further to more of the yeah. applied arts that um, this technology are yeah. getting improved and uh, hopefully bringing that. It will probably always be connected with miniatures because it is something we really love yeah. to do. Uh, and uh, who knows? I, I'm also curious to see where we will go and uh, to, to to critique ourselves. Um, hmm. Well, I, I think the the one important thing is like what we maybe also missed from maybe previous years is to actually spend uh, more time on personal projects. Because yeah. right now, because of the tutorials and commissions, and there's like a lot of project always in advance. So, for example, uh, I maybe show one p one work, but then I in the meantime I did couple of them because there's like a Kickstarter or some other campaigns that need the, that painted at that time, and maybe the 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 timeline was moved. So there's also like I have pieces in my cabinet that I'm not allowed to share yet. <laughs> so it, it all affects you and I'll, I'll... So you want to critique ourselves to listen to our own advice yeah uh, do what you love to do yeah we, <laughs> work less yeah so maybe <laughs> even spend more time on one project and and explore that idea not really like sometimes we i feel that we work too much and maybe it could Sad news about that is that we like what we are working on, yeah, so, so that's the problem. That yeah, so, so, <laughs> so when we are resting, we are also painting, so it's, it's, 
So some vacation. Yeah. After that, <laughs> we will work more. <laughs> Okay. Hey, thank you so much for sharing that. And let me just make sure uh, Craft World Studios on Instagram and Facebook and also Patreon, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And we'll, we will put show, uh, links in our show notes. And when we share on social media, we'll make sure everybody has links to all the different ways to get in contact with you or um, support your artwork. Um, you. Of course, thank you so much for joining me today. It really has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, as as well and thank you for no. again for having us it is uh, much appreciated yeah. yeah we love to talk about miniature art we love to talk about hobby yeah. and so, we love uh, to to really work for this community it's uh, yeah it's it what really brings us a lot of like if, if we are not ta ta talking about the business uh it's not the business that you will get like rich from but what is most fulfilling is the the community and what like you behind. and what you left behind and the the thing that we are most grateful is this community is that there is always someone to look at your work and that really helps you a lot like yeah. this every this comment, is like the yeah, yeah so everything that pushes you further and you know that you are creating something behind you like a little legacy of yourself and that's that's priceless that's the best thing Dan and I would like to thank Alexandra and Marco from Craft World Studios for joining us today. We really appreciate their sharing their hobby journey and talking with them about different ways to incorporate other forms of art into miniature painting. And we really enjoyed hearing about their love of the hobby as well. Check them out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Craft World Studios. You can also join their Patreon to support them. And it is Craft World Studios as well. We'll be back again in two weeks with a, another show. Uh, this time it'll be on Greek mythology. We're back to our, our genre focus, and Dan and I are really excited to bring you that conversation because we both love Greek mythology. So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Listening to Paint Dry, and also on uh, Twitter at Dry Painting. Uh, we really appreciate any likes or support you could give us there. We'd really appreciate it. Have a comment, question, concern, want to share what you're working on? Email us at listeningtopaintry at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, or follow uh, us wherever you get your podcasts from. Remember to hit the auto download. That will help us a ton. And if you could leave us a good review, we would be greatly appreciative. Always keep in mind that what we do with miniature painting is a hobby. And that's an easy way to help become a better braver, happier painter. Until next time. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.